0: I reckon there is, um, i reckon theres is two types of people in the world. Okay, There's a very big generalization, but I'm going to put it out there. I think there are the types of people who would rather read the book, and the other type of people are the people who would watch the movie. Does that sound sort of like a fair, albeit very huge generalization to you? Okay, all right, well, we're going to sort of test it out here. I'm going to share with you... Uh, some well-known stories, and you just have to call out loudly whether you would prefer the book or whether you would prefer the movie, okay? So do you understand? Pretty easy? All right. So we'll start off with a very simple one, The Lord of the Rings, book or the film? Book. Okay. Neither. Okay. Neither. Oh, well, sorry. There's three types of people then. Yeah. Rough. Okay. <laughs> If you're a neither, this isn't really going to work, so um, we'll, just, we'll just see. Okay, so not many people for the film. Interesting, interesting. Okay, what about this one? Little Women, classic. There's been a lot of film adaptions of Little Women, 1948, 1994, and most recently, 2019, but you would prefer the book. Is that what you're saying? Yeah? Arnold, you'd prefer the book? No. <laughs> okay, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, classic. The movie, wow, gee, this is crazy. The classic movie from the 70s or the um, one from 2005 with, uh, okay, classic, all right, cool, cool, cool. Okay, this could be controversial, this one. Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) Okay, the neithers are pretty loud. (coughs) If it's any consolation, uh, I have actually watched the... uh, five-hour marathon movie, which is called Pride and Prejudice. Um, Yeah, it was part of the condition of getting married, so I sort of feel like I (laughs) had to do it. Okay, a couple more, Les Miserables, book or the film? I know there's a play as well, I wasn't hugely aware of it. Apparently the book by Victor Hugo is classified as um, a classic work of literature from the 19th century, and... I just watched the, the, the film which had um, Hugh Jackman and, and others in it and didn't realise it was a musical movie. And after about half an hour, I said to Donna, why are they all singing at each other? <laughs> no one does that in real life. No one goes, hello, how are you? It's just, anyway. All right, The Da Vinci Code. Classic uh, film, uh, um, um, sorry, a book by Dan Brown or the film with Tom Hanks. Book, okay, all right, and the last one, *The Chronicles of Narnia*. The book or the movie? Oh, interesting, interesting. Okay, whatever. Whether you are a, a book person or a film person, or in some cases neither, uh, chances are you've at least read or seen um, most of those most of those stories. And whether you're a book person or a film person, I would suggest that we'd probably agree that they are pretty good stories. And there's something about us as humans that we love a good story, don't we? Whether it's a, a classic novel, whether it's an inspiring film, whether it's an autobiography, whether it's even just a really cheesy soap opera, we just are drawn in to the story. We're kind of captured by what's happening. And I wonder if that's why Jesus used stories to teach truth. Jesus was a master storyteller. In fact, according to his biographers, they record that Jesus told at least 36 different short stories, which we know as parables. Now, a parable is a short story which is designed to teach a spiritual truth. I really like the way that uh, author Ben Godwin describes it. He says, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus used parables all the time. According to Mark chapter four, Jesus uh, was was this is how he was described. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. And so Jesus taught the crowds using these short stories, and it seems like they were very well received. Early on in his public ministry, people were astonished. They were just amazed at what he was teaching. If you flick back a couple of pages to Mark chapter 2, this is what we read. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. And so people were attracted to Jesus because he used these stories to explain complex spiritual truth in very simple, accessible terms. He used everyday imagery to explain these deep ideas. So most of Jesus' stories were about common things and activities, people like builders, farmers, laborers, shepherds, and they were doing things like planting and harvesting and fishing and feasting. They were just everyday simple things that the common people, his listeners, could not only understand, but also could relate to. And so Jesus' stories, they captured the attention of his listeners. His stories were interesting and inspiring. They were compelling and convicting. In fact, on one instance, a bunch of soldiers were sent to arrest Jesus, and when they came back empty-handed, they were asked, why didn't you bring him in? And this is their reply. They said, we have never heard anyone speak like this. And there's this golden thread which ran through the stories of Jesus and that essentially he shows how God's grace transforms our lives. So take, for example, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. It's recorded in Luke chapter 18 and essentially it's the humble sinner... Who is made right with God. Or the story of the lost sheep in, um, in Matthew chapter 18. The shepherd there, he rejoices when he's found his lost sheep. Or perhaps the story of the prodigal son may be one of Jesus' most famous stories. The son returns home uh, and experiences the lavish grace of his father despite his former rebellion. Now, those are just a sample of some of Jesus' stories, and and those parables that Jesus shared, they're not just interesting, they're not just inspiring stories, they're stories which teach truth. Jesus illustrated how God's kingdom changes people's lives. His mission was to refresh and renew people who were broken. And that totally happened with his first followers. Their lives were radically transformed by Jesus. You can read about them, uh, some of their amazing stories in the Bible, in the in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. But what we what we forget is that these people, these men and women, were just ordinary people. In fact, that's how they, they were described. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but they spoke boldly. They testified to the power of work, at power of Jesus at work in their lives and the profound influence that He had. On their lives, and that influenced the people who were listening. In this instance, Peter and John were speaking in front of the council, and and they were the the council people were blown away by the boldness that these men had. They were men who had been with Jesus, and so since the beginnings of the Christian church, the testimonies of Jesus at work have been hugely powerful. They've been inspirational. They have in, impacted and influenced. the the listeners who have heard them. So this morning, I just very simply want to introduce to you two people here from ABC who have experienced the power of Jesus in their lives, the transformative effect that he has had. So if you could welcome Murray Smith and Tammy to the stage, and we're going to ask them a few questions. (laughs) Welcome, Tammy. I'll just grab a seat for you guys. Great, here you go. Let's be Murray. Oops. And Tammy, so this is Tammy here, and Murray, great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. How about you, just kind of by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about yourselves, and um, then we can kind of unpack that a wee bit further. Is that cool? Tammy, we'll start with you.
1: Uh, I'm Tammy. I'm married to the very handsome Adam Ruby, and I'm the mother of the famous Hayley Ruby, Everybody knows. <laughs> um, she is famous. <laughs> I am also the memer of Alex, who's out in children's church, and I have another daughter and two granddaughters who live up north, and uh, she's told me that she's expecting another, so that's oh exciting. Wow. That is cool. Um, for the last 10 years, I've been a vet nurse uh, with a bit of a sideline in St. John and New Zealand Fire Services, a first responder, and then a couple of weeks ago, I decided to re and now I am an apprentice funeral director and embalmer.
0: Cool. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah, very impressive. All right, Murray, tell us a wee bit about uh, you. I'm
2: married to the amazing woman over there, Jen, who's probably hiding. Um, and I told her I wouldn't bring it up in the celebrations, but she did have a birthday the other week. I'm allowed to say it because it's a different slot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sneaky. We've got four amazing kids. In fact, when we shifted to Alexander, we discovered we're only famous because we're Mark's parents. So. Yeah.
0: Not at all, Murray, but not but at all. But we do have
2: three others, um, seven grandchildren and two step-grandies. Um, over half of them in Australia, unfortunately, but okay. that's the way it is. Um, what have I done? Um, through my 20s, I worked my... You're not allowed to say butt in church, are you? <laughs> I worked my butt off, uh, shearing, freezing, working, farming, attempting to become a farmer. My early 30s, my wrist blew, and it seemed God had other plans for me, so I spent the last 34 years working the social services in a variety of ta- uh, places. Probation was my longest, 13 years, which was the most interesting place to work. Mm.
0: Um, Just track alongside people and stuff there.
2: Yeah, so that's, that's cool. kind of
0: it. So if we could start with you, Murray, what are some formative experiences that you can think of in your younger years? You sort of talked around you know, the hard work that you did, particularly in your 20s. Um, but maybe there was something in your childhood or your youth that was just quite formative that you can kind of recall from your early years that kind of shaped you into who you are now a wee bit.
2: And with, I think my childhood was reasonably unremarkable. Uh, in those days, you were kind of scared of your father because he was strict and your mother was always a bit softer. Um, we shifted when I was 13 from Hawke's Bay, rural town, to Dunedin, and my parents and I stopped going to church at that point. So prior to that, I'd been going to church. Yep. Uh, probably had a belief in God. Um, so teenage G's secondary school did quite well. Very keen on my sport. Relatively good academically. And then late teens, I kind of lost my way. Failed at varsity. Went off to Australia. And um, the usual stupidity that you do in your late teens. Um, I think I've always had this overdeveloped sense of justice, which is probably, I don't know where it comes from, but Uh um, it's probably why I ended up in social services.
0: Yeah, and you've been able to see, (coughs) hopefully, some injustices turned around in that that time, would you say?
2: (laughs) I'd like to say that. Been a lot of fails on the way. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, not easy. Tell me what about you. What sort of formative experiences for you in your early-ish years that you can kind
3: of recall?
1: Uh, my childhood was a bit problematic, um, not Christian, in fact, Christianity or religion was seen as being something to be quite suspicious of, or superstitious mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was brought up by a solo mother who was quite distant, uh, heavy on the discipline and light on the love. Mm. Um, when I was about eight, she met and married my father, who adopted me, and that was that he was a lovely, lovely man, he is a lovely man, sorry. Um, we moved around quite a lot, and... So by the time I became a teenager, I was quite introverted, but also very suspicious and judgmental of people. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that in my upbringing, and some because, like a lot of girls in New Zealand, a couple of guys had taken advantage of me. Um, I was not a nice teenager. Mm-hmm. I was maybe not similar to what Keith was talking about, but I wasn't far wrong from that.
0: Yeah. But you're a lovely person now, Timmy. <laughs> Thank so you. So tell us kind of... What changed? How did you become a Christian? What sort of was that journey like
3: for you?
1: Um, So when I was about 18, I was a solo mother myself by that stage Mm -hmm. and uh, I had a Christian neighbour who I quite liked. I liked her a lot but she did bang on about God a lot and um, she she sort of adopted a group of us solo mothers and started talking to us about it and I can remember having a conversation with her one day and I don't remember what she was saying but because I'm, I'm terribly smart and clever. I mm. said, Oh, I believe in God. I just don't want to have anything to do with him. And she goes, slams her hand on the table and she goes, Even the demons believe in him and tremble at his name. <laughs> and at that time, I didn't know that was scripture. And I was just like, Holy cow.
0: Yeah.
1: And. Um, Pretty intense, right? It was definitely out there. Definitely got my attention. Yeah. Um, and so that night, I had gone home after talking with her and put the baby to bed and did my usual illicit substance routine. hmm. And I remember sitting there staring at the fire, which you do a lot when you're on illicit substances, and um, and th- thinking about things that she'd been saying, and I was like, I think she's right. I think that she's completely right. And I was suddenly not under the influence of anything, so that got my attention as well. Um, so I probably rocked along as sort of a mediocre Christian for a few years. Um, when I met Adam, who at that stage was also a mediocre Christian, and married and had children and did all that good stuff. And then, I don't know, just at the same time, we both decided to start reading our Bible, and I remember one morning I woke up and I sort of wanted to say something to him, and I didn't know how to say it, and I was like, does everything seem like really clear to you today? And he was like, yes, <laughs> and, um, and we have both sort of recommitted our lives to God, and been bouncing around with God ever since.
0: Well, cool. So quite a process, right? Like quite mm. a journey.
1: Yeah, I don't do anything easy.
0: No, no. Murray, your story, what's, what's that like? Um,
1: I'll
2: try and keep it brief. So, I said I'd come back from Sydney, so I decided I'd better come back and have another go at Varsity. So, yep. I, went, I went to Lincoln and I met the two most influential people of my life. Uh, the first one was the first Christian, and please excuse me for this, but the first Christian I met I thought was a normal person. Yep. A guy named Don, who played rugby, had the odd beer, had a sense of humour, seemed quite normal. Yep. Um, the, quite normal. And the second on the person. Quiet. I, Second person I met was Jan, who I can tell you now, and please listen, she should never have gone out with me. Right. Um, and I mean that most sincerely. She, she was a Christian. Um, I did not have a good impact on her Christianity at all. So, and it didn't actually have a good impact on her study either, because by the end of the year we both didn't, we passed some papers, but not enough. So she ended up going back to Southland and I followed her there. Um, and then God really got onto my case. That's how I look at it in, in retrospect. But, so I met another Christian guy named Dave, who wasn't quite so normal, but a good guy. Mm. Um, in between, during the year, which was 1977, um, yeah, this Dave, was a very strong evangelist, kept harping on at me, and I was finding it more tedious, and Jan was staunching up in her Christianity, and I'd got to stage real as far as I was concerned. I'd had enough and we were going to break up yeah and this day took me long to at this rally one night and all i can say and i can say it another way is that god reached into my chest and grabbed my heart he completely bypassed my intellect mm-hmm. they took me out to counsel me about salvation i didn't know what they were talking about it was just foreign all mm. i knew that something dramatic had happened and the absolute proof was a relationship was completely transformed mm. completely transformed
0: from that moment on from that moment
2: yeah and so i've never had to doubt Mm. My, my salvation, although I didn't know it in those terms at that time. Mm. Wow. And um, so like I say, Don, I think, showed me a real example of how to be a normal Christian yep. and God intervened.
0: Yeah. And so from that moment, I mean, was it smooth sailing or was it still challenging, you know, well, highs and lows? I mean, the rest well, of your life. Well, I remember
2: Don, Don's mother was a wonderful woman. I said to one day, how do I stop swearing? Yeah. She said, hand it over to God. And so slowly... In some cases, fast. Like yep. I say, the transformation of our relationship yep. in other parts were, were much more slow. I've, I can still swear, I've still got a good temper, but yep. much more controlled than I want to. Yeah,
0: cool. Awesome. Tammy, what about you? What's your life been like <clears throat> since since those formative moments? I mean, obviously it's not always... Life isn't easy, right? But When you become a Christian, it's not a cakewalk and it's not just super easy, but how's your faith been... S- influential and helpful for you in in the last few years, decades?
1: Um, I don't believe in miracles, I rely on them. Mm-hmm. That's been a big one. Um, I don't believe that there's such a thing as a, as a happy life. There's happy moments. And mm-hmm. in the happy moments, I can praise God. And in the sad moments, I can beg God. And he's just always there. And I totally rely on him. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I cannot do anything without him. I don't ask him how to brush my teeth. But, sure. like, like every day, multiple times a day, I'm like, hey, God, this thing's happening. What do you think about that? Can you give yep. me some advice? Can you push me towards that? Um, I've had, like everybody else, four or five really horrible events, you know, b- big valleys. Mm-hmm since I became a Christian. And one of the worst ones I can remember just lying against the cat, uh, my garage, sobbing and begging God for help. And I don't remember exactly where the scripture is, but it was the one about touching the hem of his garment. And i really felt in that moment, that's where I was with him. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, when I reflect back on that from time to time, I, I'm so grateful and kind of a little bit jealous. I can't still do that. I think you've got to be in those really intense moments to really get that connection. It's mm. not to say that I don't have a connection, it's just I don't have that sort of extreme emotional out, response.
0: Yeah, yeah. Murray, anything to add from your sort of story as you reflect back on it, those, those highs and those lows?
2: Um, of course, plenty of highs and lows. Um, probably the most dramatic incident in our life was in Mark's younger brother, when he was 14 years of age, thought it was a good idea to show off in a go-kart, mm. uh, hit a... At a fence post with no helmet, and he ended up being chopped out of south south the hospital. Seven skull fractures and a frontal lobe bleed, and we were told that he may, we may not see him alive again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we subsequently watched the most amazing miracle unfold, and he is now a highly qualified electrician with three lovely kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that would singly be the most humbling experience of my life because I've yet to understand why God would bless us mm-hmm. in that way when others don't have that experience. Yeah. Because I don't think there's anything special about us. Either.
0: And also the helplessness too, I mean, what mm. could you do?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I could rattle on for ages about the times when at probation, God protected me. Um, I've had guys sitting with flick knives in my office, wanting to threaten me, and I've just felt um, an absurd love for them, mm-hmm. which was totally God, and which I think prevented them and the demonic within them doing anything to me. Yep. So, you know, I've, I've experienced it in many ways. But but in a general sense, God has just blessed us, blessed us with our kids, blessed us in their marriage.
0: So let's talk about that, um, <clears throat> your connection with other people for both of you. Like, How do you go about sharing your faith, particularly when maybe people might not be... Hugely um, positive, or you know, all that sort of stuff.
2: Well, I think Don Don has been the, the example I've used all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a lot of my life I've worked quite hard and not hanging out with Christians too much because, um, so, particularly in hunting, pig hunting, I've, I've worked very hard and hanging out with some hard cases. Yep. I've made life more difficult for myself because I decided on my shearing days to give up drinking, so that's yet another barrier. But despite all that, I've managed to. Um, yeah, hang out with some pretty hard, hard guys and really enjoy their company. I was actually very popular with their partners and wives because they knew there was a sober driver when they were coming home from hunting. <laughs> um, have I led me in said, Lord? No, I haven't, but I've been in situations where others have... I can remember one time when two real hard cases were going to have a good scrap. Uh-huh. Everyone else just fled. I jumped between them and said, it's just not going to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. It's always a risk that both of them will punch you <laughs> at the same time. But those are the sort of things
0: where you can make a difference totally yep totally tammy what would be your sort of approach to sharing your faith
1: i just don't hide it um i don't make a big song and dance about it i don't mm-hmm. wear a big giant hat that says hello i'm the christian yep. i just i'll just talk people say what are you doing going, oh you know we cut some fire we shot a beast went to church had a good message then we went out for lunch yep and um so people within about a day or two of meeting me know because i just literally don't hide it mm-hmm. um I can't say I've ever particularly feel like I've led anybody to the Lord, although Haley's certainly been the recipient of much teaching. Um, I think only once in my life I can actually recall standing there and giving somebody the whole gospel and being amazed at the time that I was doing that. Mm. I don't know what ever happened because I never saw the person again. Mm. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> but it's still a link in the chain, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Right. And same with you too, Mary. Like You're actually perhaps pushing back some preconceived ideas of what a Christian, particularly a Christian man is like, you know, and uh, obviously it was really inspiring for you to meet the guy Don and to see that he was pretty down to earth, pretty normal, loved a good outdoors sort of stuff and could be quite manly but also, you know, certainly um, a deep spiritual faith there. Well,
2: i I'm many things but I am a Kiwi bloke you know? and yeah. I love my rugby, yep. hunting, etc, etc, yep. but, but I also love Christ, so, yeah, yeah. They're not mutually exclusive.
0: Exactly. So finally, uh, for you both, what's one encouragement you just want to leave with everybody, that you want to give to everybody here? Um, I don't know, what is it? Tammy? One encouragement that you'd leave for us?
1: It can be challenging to be a Christian in this world. Mm -hmm. And um, Joshua actually stole my scripture So it's Joshua 1, 9, be bold, be strong, be not afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Cool.
0: Awesome. right.
2: Interesting, Joshua's my biblical hero too. Um, I actually mean it, and I'm reminding myself because I've now shifted to Alex and haven't done anything about it, but I think the most important thing we Christians can do, apart from following Christ, is to have plenty of non-Christian friends. Hmm. Uh, It's very, very easy to get in your Christian circles because it's comfortable, it's nice, But actually, we're not, we're not leading him unto the Lord or being an example if
1: we're not doing that.
0: Cool. So are you happy for people to come and chat with you afterwards if they want to talk more or encourage you mutually the way you've encouraged us? Yes, and I'll even talk about the funeral directing. She's <laughs> <laughs> <Just laughs> taking clients, is that what you're saying? Taking a few sign-ups. Yeah, it is. Yep.
2: As long as they don't want to punch me or spit in my
0: face, that's fine. Excellent. All right, thank you both very much. We really appreciate that. I'll grab it to me. I don't know about you, but um, certainly you would have seen from Murray and from Tammy and from Keith last week and from Gay and from, um, oh man, Kevin uh, the week before. You know, the power of Jesus at work in our lives is pretty phenomenal, right? And there's some been inspiring stories. And I think what we've got to remember that actually every Christian is called to share their story. In fact, part of our series for the last couple of weeks is about just uh, focusing on having those conversations in a very simple and a very natural way. That's why our key verse for the last few weeks has been this from um, First from Peter. Honor Christ and let him be the Lord of your life. You've heard people talk about how that is the case for them. Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about your hope, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. And so this morning, I simply want to encourage you to share your story, to be a witness, to be a testimony to the power of Jesus at work in your life. So we're going to watch, um, uh, just for a few short minutes, a video clip which gives some tips about sharing your story, about um, talking about the life change that you've experienced through Jesus in a very gentle and respectful way. So watch this video clip, and then we'll kind of wrap it up um, after that.
4: everyone loves a good story and today we're going to talk about the power of our testimonies because when God works in our lives it isn't with just us in mind he has given us stories to pass on.
3: Christian faith stories are powerful tools too. About 70% of people in our society claim to have had a spiritual experience of some kind. And from global statistics on religion, 95% of people believe in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. So while many people might not be ready to put their faith in this God who is over all things, most of them are interested in our stories. And the real power of Christian stories is the
5: way our experiences of God have changed our lives so much, as well as just how many of these stories there are in churches everywhere There are stories of marriages healed, addictions defeated, depressions lifted, and hope found. And all of these are a powerful resource if we can get them known.
4: For some simple points, our testimonies relate because they are personal stories about real life challenges.
5: They can't be argued with
4: because they're our stories. They are also interesting and memorable, potentially being in a person's thoughts for a few weeks later.
5: And they are evidence because we're not just talking about an initial experience, but about the much longer term changes God works in our lives, which
3: is what makes Christian testimony so amazing. To put it differently, our testimonies are the product reports of a happy customer. And as every marketing person on the planet can tell you, you can't beat a happy customer report. For example, I
5: know this guy, Dave, who came from a family that because of its challenges left him with anxieties. Feeling the world wasn't a safe place, just surviving each day. But then his mum became a Christian, and it was like sunshine entered into her eyes. So he said, I need what she's got. And he was only 11 years old, but his God touched his heart. He knew he was loved, found confidence for life, and has lived in that confidence and emotional freedom ever since, eh, Dave?
3: I have a friend whose mum died, and then his dad left because he was struggling. So at 11 years of age, he was already providing for his younger siblings alone. So he actually stole things to provide, Hey, Raki? A little bit later, his neighbour's mum was a Christian and she said, hey Raki, there are some things in your life that aren't quite right, eh? And long story short, he became a Christian and he was amazingly changed by this. He's lived a life since then trying to serve others, including a stable marriage and an amazing family. Hey bro. Awesome.
4: And what do stories like this achieve? They're evidence that inspires faith that God is still at work in people's lives today. Now, regarding what we might share in a testimony, very simply, what you were like before God worked in your life, secondly, what happened, where and how did God come into that picture, and finally, what changed as a result. And if we keep it simple, honest and brief, a testimony could be told in just 2-3 to minutes, which is as long as you want any story to go in a conversation.
3: Now, some people feel they really don't have much of a story, what then? Well if that's you, maybe you could think more broadly
5: about the things God has done in your life and talk about that, because we've all probably got a number of stories we could tell, and the key question in a conversation is, what will be the most relevant to this person?
4: For me, even though I grew up in a Christian home, name calling, bullying, and how other people viewed me shaped many of my beliefs about who I was. I went to church and I said prayers, but whenever I was asked to share my testimony, I would freeze. What had God done in my life? Was this real, or just our culture's religion? Then, at age 14, I decided to change that. I recommitted my life to God, to make this faith my own. And this led me to finding out what it truly meant to be loved by God, changing how I viewed myself and the world. I now measure myself by how God sees me, and I wouldn't want it any other way.
3: And that's all that a testimony is. A simple, honest story. Yeah, a product report from a happy customer.
4: So, what are the one or two main stories from your faith journey that tell of how God has worked in your life and might relate to people and encourage them to look up?
5: And how could you tell those stories briefly, yet with the details needed for them to make sense?
4: Because that's all a testimony is. It's a product report and the hope it brings could go on to change someone's life.
0: All right. Pretty simple, right? Everybody's got a story, and everybody can share a story. So what I'm going to do is invite you to share your story and uh, with someone here that you might not know particularly well, because chances are you're sitting beside someone who you know reasonably well, okay? But I'm going to invite you to get up out of your seat to wander around, and to find someone that you would like to get to know better. If you're sitting beside someone that you don't know, then you can stay sitting, but I'm going to invite you to get up and find someone that you'd like to know better, and you're going to listen to their story, and then you're going to also share yours. Does that sound like an okay thing to do? So what I'd encourage you to think uh, about is what you were like beforehand. There. Okay, What you were like beforehand, what God did when you encountered Jesus, or that change that happened in your life, or if you just want to focus in on a particular event, or an experience, or a situation, something that has uh, made a difference. Now, they said, keep it short, okay? Two minutes is probably plenty of time, so have a think about that, and if your life story is just too huge to squeeze into two minutes, then just drill down on maybe an event or experience, something like that. Maybe it was a, a fulfilled prayer. Maybe it was a miraculous healing, maybe it was an answered question, maybe it was a calming of your fears, maybe it was some positive change or some personal growth in your life. Okay, so I'm going to give you a wee bit of time to do this. Does everybody know what you're going to be doing? hmm. Okay, go. <clears throat> okay, um, we'll just kind of draw that conversation to a close. You're most welcome to continue those on in a few minutes, but um, firstly I didn't realize how noisy that was going to be, but that was pretty cool, and hopefully you found out something interesting about someone else, something that was maybe interesting about you and helpful and all that sort of stuff, because I think the thing is everyone loves a good story, and there is no better time than Easter to share our story. The Hope Project's going out this week with those booklets. There's been TV advertising. There's media. The cross on the hill by, you know, dedicated people for a bunch of years has just been sharing a witness in this town. There's an alpha course on the pipeline. There's all so many great things, but that is nothing compared to the power of our story of Jesus at work in our lives. And I really hope that that, for you, just those... Two or three minutes we had together was really encouraging, really inspiring, really helpful to hear about Jesus at work. Because the crazy thing is that despite our diversity in here, different backgrounds, different experiences, different situations all of us have experienced, our common bond is Jesus. He's the one who draws us together. He, is, he has changed our lives and he is changing our lives. And you heard that this morning with Murray and Tammy and a whole bunch of other great people in the previous weeks. So let me just pray uh, before we worship uh, Jesus and draw our time together to a close. God, we are grateful that you are at work in our lives, that Jesus has changed and is changing our lives so that we can be the people we are created to be. In this Easter season, we just pray that we would live out a life of love and grace and truth, that we'd take opportunities to share our faith, that you would present them to us and we would take them in gentle and respectful ways. We would just be your witnesses. We would live and love like Jesus every single day. So we just ask for your empowering, your equipping to help us share our story with others so that you get the glory. In your name's sake, amen.